RadioInfluence.com Why Crusher? It's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Man, am I fired up for this week's show as we kick off the NFL season crush style. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have a bit of a reunion here with the con man, our in-studio producer. We've been out of the studio, of course, through this COVID madness. It's going to be so great to have Connor back on. He is a NFL aficionado. So we're going to talk about the storylines, the teams, the players to watch, and we're going to boldly make our Super Bowl predictions. We'll see how we make out, but I think I have a really solid pick for this year. We'll see how it goes. And as fall sport gets underway and we kick off the football season, it's very, very important that we continue the discussion revolving around concussions and brain injuries. There have been some great advancements in how we handle injuries and how we help our athletes return to play. And we're going to talk about that today, not just for football, but for every single sport out there. We're joined by crush favorite Dr. Martin Morazic, professor at the University of Alberta and clinical neuropsychologist about the updates that we need to know about when it comes to identifying, managing, and helping our athletes return to play safely and with the right strategy. And we'll also discuss some of the new technologies out there that are really advancing player safety and player health, okay? So that's going to be a big discussion and an important one coming up here right after this first break. But let's get to it. Conman, welcome back to the show. Boy, oh boy, it's been a long time since we've had you on, brother. And it's such a great time as we kick off the NFL season. Crush, great to be on with you. And yeah, looking forward to that day when we can get back in studio and, uh, produce some radio magic once again but uh, glad to be on with you today yeah thanks man no uh it's been fun listening to you on gregor's show on tsn 1260 here you know and and all the great stuff you guys have been talking about and i've been really really itching to get you on to talk nfl because i know you're one of our your main go-to guys here so so how about we start with this i mean from a crush perspective this is a crush look at the at the nfl and you're very very familiar with our sort of take on things but one of the things I'm really watching this season, Connor, if we start off with just some of the storylines with, with, the, with the NFL, you know how passionate we are about player health and player management and all the talk that's been surrounding that area of the game here. What do you think the addition of the preseason game and, and what, do you, what do you think the impact's going to be of a 17-game season? We know that business and dollars are driving this, but, but what do you think that means for player performance? Yeah, I mean, from the business side, it was a no-brainer, right? That fourth preseason game, typically you're just getting the second and third stringers out there, and fans really not in the biggest rush to go watch that game. But then you add another regular season game, another you know tailgate, another chance for visiting fans to fly in and help out the hotels. You've got the, the people coming in, obviously, the concessions, ticket sales, all that sort of thing, broadcasting rights. Business sense, it was a no-brainer. We knew it was going to happen eventually, and you know, a lot of people think we'll probably get to an 18-game schedule where, you know, each team will get a, a home game and a road game. So everyone will benefit from it that way. I feel for the players, though. You know, they're playing a pretty tough sport. By the end of the season, uh, most guys are, you know, in a lot of pain and battling through it. If you can make it through the regular season into the playoffs healthy, you're very fortunate. And adding that extra game, I think it's going to be tough on these players. And I wonder, you know, how much coaches, staffs look at this going 
down the stretch here late into games. And if, if you're up by a couple of scores or a couple of possession leads, you might think we don't necessarily need to play these guys. And, and worrying about that probably becomes more of an issue. And I'm sure I I've been watching the LA chargers. Uh, for those who don't know, that's the team I follow closest, big fan of them. And, and they put a big emphasis on, you know, shortening practice lengths and having a little more time to do the stretches and the warming up, trying to avoid the injuries. And so far they've made it through camp without any major injuries. But one of the reasons being that they know that, you know, that 17th game could be important and whatever you can do to make sure you're healthy and have a little less wear and tear on the body, you have to do that. So I think there's going to be a lot of teams, you know, they get that lead or whether they're in or out of the game, you're going to see starters coming out of the game in the, the last few minutes of the fourth quarter, just because, you know, you, you just want to lower that rep count as much as possible. And uh, another thing that's going to be fun to watch, though, Crush, I mean, I think we're going to see records falling in the next few years, the single season passing record and touchdowns, interceptions, sacks, things like that. You get that extra game to do it. So, you know, it's going to add a lot of intrigue, I think, and, and we'll see what happens there with the record book. But yeah, for the players, uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be definitely management. And we saw that in the NBA with, you know, players sitting out games, maybe just maybe, you know, that that Wednesday or the Thursday, you're you're sitting it out just to get a little bit more rest and recuperation. Maybe the walkthrough is very toned down and things like that, just to make it work out so guys can go out there and play a full season. Yeah, no, and I agree. This is something else. And when you talk about the Chargers and their player management strategies, this is going to be such a critical part of the game. You and I have been talking about this for a decade now, but boy, oh boy, are we really seeing it it practice at a new level, uh, especially as we go into this, this new era. Hey, talking about the passing records and the yards records, maybe rushing records, there could be all kinds of things falling with this extra game. Um, is this where we have to start adding an asterisk? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you go back to, to the record book and I think to, you know, Gail Sayers, like the, the legendary running backs in the past and the records they had, I believe they had 14 games. And if you go back further enough, it was 12 games. So the football historians are always going to bring up that they did it in less games. And, you know, maybe, maybe yards per game is the stat you want to look at, assuming guys play the full season and you can maybe get a four, a more fair, description of the record book but you know what i'll, I'll tell you this if someone breaks ladanian tomlinson's touchdown record i'm gonna say asterisk if somebody breaks justin herbert's rookie passing touchdown record i'm gonna say asterisk there's always gonna be those people that that say that and i'm not gonna lie i'll be one of them because hey that extra game is gonna play huge dividends for those things uh and i i definitely think that you're gonna have to look at it and say you know what sure maybe he he broke michael strahan's sack record by half a sack, but he did it in one more game. It's always going to be just another thing for sports fans to debate. Yep. Yep. And that's not necessarily a bad thing as well. And you're right. It, this is driven by, by, by uh, the almighty dollar. And again, we've, we've had this conversation many times. Look, this sport, as much as it is a competitive head to head competition, it's entertainment, man. And that 11 year, 110, $113 billion television deal the uh, NFL just signed, man, that is a driving force behind a lot of the moves they're making, Connor. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Crush. I mean, and, and that's it. It's a business, right? Uh, the guys who signed the paychecks, they're always going to look to find ways to make more money. Uh, we've seen that, you know, going away from the, the NFL Sunday ticket up in Canada, they went to the zone, just another way to make more money. And it's not going to stop here. They're definitely going to go with 18 games at some point in the next few years here. Uh, like I said, I, I, I don't know how it's working out for every team, but one team or half the team in the league are going to get that extra gate revenue from playing the ninth home game. 
the other half won't. Maybe next year, the teams that went on the road for the final game will get a host, and then the year after that, both teams will get an extra home game. And you know what? They, they might even look to add another playoff game, maybe maybe having another wild card game like they did last year, just because it's another way to make more revenue for the owners. And obviously, at the end of the day, that's what Commissioner Goodell wants to do. He's done a very good job of it. You might not like how he's handled certain situations, but when it comes to making money for the Shield, he's done it as good as anyone in sports. Oh, yeah. If you're a team owner right now, you're very, very happy with Roger Goodell. There is no question about that. And man, oh, man, when you look at their projections and their goals and objectives from a financial standpoint, I mean, they're talking about some incredible things moving forward. And and it's going to be driven, Connor, a lot. You and I have talked about it, Con Man, by the on-field product, right? I mean, that's what really ultimately drives this thing. And, you know, last year was an interesting one. COVID, no fans, man. It's still bizarre. I go back and think about it. I'm so supercharged to have fans back in the stadiums here again, you know, all out. I'm, I, I can't wait to see uh, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, you know, jam-packed for the first time, you know, opening day. That's going to be fun. But isn't it interesting to note, and I wanted to ask you about this, you know, and I, I don't know what the reason is, but scoring was at an all-time high last year. There was uh, over 12,692 points scored, which is 700 more than the than the historical NFL record. And I, I'm still a little puzzled by that, and I'm wondering if that's going to feed forward now that we're going to have the stadiums jam-packed. Yeah, you, you kind of wonder about that now that, you know, it's going to be a little more louder for these offenses. Maybe maybe communication gets a little bit more jumbled. I think COVID had a lot to do with that last year, though, right? I mean, even if you only lost one or two players a week, you know, that, that could push a special teamer up to play defense or, uh, you know, a situation like that. Or, you know, you might lose an opportunity to, to have one of your better defensive players out there. And it, obviously, it's becoming more of a passing league. I'm, I'm not sure if we have the statistics in front of us or if you can dig those up, but passing attempts per game you know shots downfield that these teams are taking the the offenses are really opening up and it's becoming more of a passing league we've almost seen almost you know the point where the the running back position a full-time back a three down back you you almost don't see it anymore like the, even you look at uh, Christian McCaffrey with the Carolina Panthers um the, he's a great player but they're realizing you can't use him all the time they draft uh Edmonton product or Sherwood Park product Chuba Hubbard uh Dalvin Cook gets a lot of the carries Ezekiel Elliott but you know more and more they're they're sharing the ball and and being counted on less you're looking at all these star receivers to move the ball downfield and put up points quicker and faster and I think that's just the way the game's going that's what we want to see the league has made it tougher for players to play defense whenever uh, a DB holds on for a second he's getting that flag immediately the refs aren't hesitant to throw it there's lots of pass interference calls so I think that's just the way the league's going and, and that's the direction that they want to go they know that the casual fan wants to see points, you know, uh, 7-3 final game isn't going to be making too many people happy. You're not going to get the highlights on Center. They want to see the back and forth, the offense. And I, I think that's just the way the game's going. And that's the way offenses are starting to game plan. You're seeing a lot of these young coaches like Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. These offensive gurus are kind of changing the game. And, and a lot of it is with that passing attack downfield. So, it, it's interesting to see. I, I don't know. I'm sure that the fans maybe had a role in it. Maybe, you know, the offenses didn't have too much adversity to face when they were going out there. A nice, quiet field to work with. But, yeah, I think that's just the way the game's going. And for someone like me, I love offense. I'm glad to see it.
Yeah, me too. Hey, you guys are on with uh, Crushing the Con Man. Uh, Con Man, of course, our in-studio producer when we're back in the studio, man. So great to have you on as we take a look at the Crush NFL season preview. Well, I like what you said there, and I agree. That noise was a big factor, I believe. I've been trying to analyze, you know, wire points up. And that might very well be it. You know, I used to love uh, stopping in at the training camps. Raiders, I've always been a Raiders fan. Don't ask me why, man. I think it has more to do with the fans and like Halloween every week, you know, with the Raiders fans. I think that's what, what got me going on them. But but I've always been a Raiders fan. And, you know, when we were, uh, when I was with the Blue Jays and we were uh, in that area p- playing playing uh, teams, uh, we would cruise and stop by the NFL camps and talk shop with the guys. You know, we'd exchange ideas, talk strategies and performance. But I remember stopping at the NFL camps, you know, close to the season or, 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 or when they're, when they're getting, you know, their, their real rosters, you know, trimmed down and the, the noise they create, they try to simulate the crowd noise. They have unbelievable. And I'm talking like Metallica, Judas Priest concert esque sound systems that are just blowing your ears off while these guys are are out there practicing and, and going through the playbook. And, and that's a big strategy. So you're right. That noise in the COVID era, it, it might, might've been a factor or lack thereof. Right. Hey, Connor, you know, you and I talked briefly before this, just about the impact of COVID on the game, not just last year, but even the startup this year, last year in the NFL, 70 players opted out of playing for whatever reason they were scared for their families or their health reasons in within their families or whatever it might've been this year. So far, not one player has opted out due to COVID. Uh, what a relief that is. Oh yeah, absolutely. And obviously the vaccine goes a long way. Uh, I mean, whether or not you want to put it in your body, that's totally up to you. And that's your decision. I'm not going to try to preach to you either way. But, you know, we're seeing with a lot of these teams, uh, the vaccination numbers are going up. Right. And uh, they're feeling a little feeling a little bit safer. I feel like if you sat out of last year, you probably saw all the protocols and, and talked to the teams, the players, the coaches, and just saw what they went through to try to keep everyone safe. And, and for the most part, they did a pretty good job. There's a few cases where obviously it didn't work out. The Denver Broncos had their quarterback situation, which yeah. didn't work out too well for them. They had to play a, a receiver who played the quarterback back in college. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers had a game get delayed, I think, until Wednesday. Like There, there was the, the cases there where they had some issues, but we knew that's how it was going to be. I mean, it's something that we've never gone through before, and the NFL is no different. They didn't have a perfect plan for it. But I think they did as best as they could with the contact tracing and obviously implementing video calls. Uh, probably not the way the coaching staff or the players want to do it, but they did all they could to to make it as safe as possible. Now you've got the vaccinations, which are going to kind of, you know, for the players that are vaccinated, at least make it a little bit easier. They're able to go out on the road and don't have to worry about wearing the masks all the time. So I, I think when you, you know, you, you add all those things up, the players that settled last year probably feel pretty good about going back into it this year you know they love the games they probably missed that aspect and and let's be honest that paycheck is very enticing as well so it is good to see these guys all come back and you know you just hope that the nfl has it all figured out and and there's no more issues going forward but you know it's it's probably got to be a little bit of an adjustment for some of these guys i mean if you were a 10-year nfl veteran you're used to going on the road you know maybe going out to see some friends go for dinner mingle that sort of thing you know last year you you really couldn't do that you were stuck in the hotel for the entire saturday you couldn't go out and do anything it was all being catered into the hotel and you know we're starting to get back to a little bit more normalcy so yeah i I think it's great to see those guys that come back and you know for especially for the new england patriots they lost like half their defense so they're probably the most excited with this one 
No, I certainly agree with you there. And, of course, the Patriots are one of our teams to watch this year. You know, is Belichick actually the genius coach that everybody touts him to be without Brady? We're going to see if they can make that turn for sure. But I think that really does cover some of the the main storylines to watch this year. There are so many for sure. But I think those are the big ones that we're really interested in. Hey, we have to cut out for a break. When we come back, we need to continue the very, very important discussion surrounding concussion and brain injury in sport. There's been a lot of research being done over the last decade, of course, but there's been some new advancements in how we assess, treat, and help our athletes return to play. And we're going to talk about it with Dr. Martin Morazic, clinical neuropsychologist, right after this on Crush Performance. And then later in the show, the con man and I will break down the players and teams we're watching this year and we'll make our Super Bowl picks. Stick around, everybody. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell. Hey, if you have questions, comments, smart remarks, please reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. If you need help, or if you have a topic you'd like us to really dive into, let us know. Hey, listen, you guys are steering this show more than you know, and we answer every single message that we get. So please do write in again. Info at Crush Performance is that email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on all the other social media. Search out Crush Performance and we can hook up there for sure. All right. It is our annual Crush NFL preview this week. And with fall sport getting underway and, of course, football kicking off, it's very, very important that we continue the discussion revolving around concussion and brain injury in sport. And there's no one better to help us with that conversation than Crush favorite clinical neuropsychologist, Dr. Martin Morazic from the U of A. Dr. Morazic, thanks for joining us today. It's so great to have you back on the show as we talk a little gridiron here. Good to be back and good to be talking football. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm telling you right now, it is an interesting time in the world of sport as uh, everybody's hitting the uh, gridiron and the uh, NFL season's about to get underway. Uh, you know, one of the things that has really impressed me uh, recently, you know, in the world of sport is just the focus on player safety, but maybe even more so uh, from the NFL and the, you know, the resources they've committed to, you know, looking at improving player health and player safety back in 2018, they invested $17 million on concussion research um, and they've done a bunch of things since then. Most recently, uh, this last year, uh, they they allocated $4 million for research on hamstring injuries, uh, trying to figure out if there's things they can be doing holistically to, to help avoid those injuries and the recurrence of those injuries. So it's a pretty exciting time, I think, for athletes and sport performance people around the world is, as we really do make a move uh, to improve player safety. Yeah, it, it is very interesting, and the NFL has really invested, uh, as you said, in the science. And so now with technology, they have the capacity. They have uh, four chips on every player, so they can really track player movement. Uh, they have 3D technology to evaluate ankles, and so they can provide form-fitted footwear uh, to reduce ankle injuries and leg injuries. Uh, they're really embracing the science, and so I, I think it's been really great to see that uh, Alan Sills, their chief medical officer has, has really implemented a, a very scientific approach that's uh, producing some dividends. Yeah, it really, really is. And we're seeing the payoff, I think, already. 
Um, some of the rule changes, I think, have been brilliant along the way, especially, you know, leading with the helmet, uh, feet leaving the ground, the tackling rules. The officiating has been, been pretty good. But as you mentioned, some of the advances in the technology has been absolutely outstanding. You know, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the impact of equipment technology on human performance, you know, coming off the Olympics and uh, looking at how some of the uh, equipment technology and the advancements in, in technology have really, really pushed human performance forward. It's really, really great to also note that it's also advancing player safety as well. For sure. And, and in the area of concussion, a few years ago, they really committed to testing NFL helmets uh, to really evaluate the, you know, the, the safety and the protective value of helmets. And so they, they started to put their, uh, you know, the red flags on some of the older helmet designs. Players, of course, become very attached to certain helmets, which is understandable. Uh, but after a couple of years of testing, they said, look, you have a couple of years to, to make that transition. So the old Tom Brady helmet is, uh, is a, a newer and improved uh, Tom Brady helmet, uh, but they really use the science and technology towards that. And I think one of the uh, the more interesting current uh, trends is that they, they've uh, embraced something called the Guardian Cap, which is a device that they put over uh, a football helmet. And some of the scientific studies have shown that it can uh, reduce the average force on a helmet by about 10%. And while 10% that doesn't necessarily seem like a huge number when you think of the average NFL player uh, during the season in uh, experiencing anywhere from 500 to over a thousand hits on their helmet, uh, 10% reduction is quite substantive. So uh, we're seeing that more in NFL camps as people are watching training camp begin. They probably saw some of those uh, those caps being worn, and uh, the specific brand, the Guardian cap, seems to have, uh, have you know it is doing its job in terms of reducing uh, the amount of force experienced by players. Yeah, I did notice the caps, and I'm not sure what the technology is, but it's absolutely amazing. I didn't realize that. That 10% number, that is a big, big number in the world of sport where where every where every little percentage uh, makes a big, big difference, especially, you're right, in these preseason games where guys are vying and really playing hard to win a spot on those rosters. It's one of the most dangerous times of the season. Yeah, and and uh, you know historically, okay, it's uh, preseason, it's camp. Players are going to get cut, so uh, you know let's let's uh, you know have them just engage in all these you know two a days and the very physically demanding, and of course the injuries that that would come out of that. Some in some cases would be pretty substantive. Uh, so they've really taken uh, a good pause and said, well, we have to really think about that. I think uh, you know the Guardian cap is one of those things that they recognize that there's going to be a lot of hitting in the preseason. Um, more so than any other part of the year. And so uh, adding in a device that can mitigate, it's not a concussion proof device, but it helps with reducing uh, mechanical energy uh, to the helmet. And so that's why it's, you know, it seems to be a good thing, especially during a a really uh, busy time in the preseason. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Martin Mrazek of the University of Alberta, clinical neuropsychologist and uh, concussion head injury researcher as well. Um, it's really interesting. One of the things that we've seen over the years, and, and since you've been on the show here as a crush favorite for years and years, um, if we go back and look at some of the research in minor hockey, for example, the banning of body checking at the younger age groups um, was met with with some, uh, I guess, disdain from some certain populations. People really weren't sure about it. Uh, but it turned out to be a really, really substantial positive move for for sport and injuries and progressions of injuries in that sport. It's also interesting to note, you know, some of these technologies that we see at the higher levels, 
they do trickle down to the developmental levels where a lot of these injuries are starting. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, I, I think that original commitment to say, no, we're going to take an active step here. It does come with some unknowns and understandably, I mean, people don't want to change the game of hockey because it's a great game and you want to make sure that athletes as they're developing are prepared. Uh, the whole injury body checking thing has certainly gone through an, an awful lot of scrutiny, but you know, the, the evidence continues to suggest that, that the younger developmental levels, uh, that it, it seems to reduce injuries. It seems to increase, uh, you know, player participation in terms of the time that they spend and uh, the longevity of it. And then we're learning about the developmentally appropriate times to add in body checking, right? Because there's, you know, there are body checking leagues and higher levels of, of sport. Uh, so there's definitely been a, a learning curve, but we kind of knew that going into this. Uh, and then the technology, again, being able to just track motion. Uh, the motion sensors have been a really big part of that. It's just, uh, let's see how much people move. And everybody's got, you know, their iWatches or, uh, you know, their Apple watches uh, tracking their steps now and that technology is actually very helpful because it really can track movement and uh, again biomechanical forces uh, in collision sports like hockey and football yeah no it's very very important and uh, one of the other great advances that we're seeing here and this all comes out of the research and I guess maybe that learning curve just through time you know we're we're really um, paying attention to the concussion and head injury in all of sport and there is a huge collaboration uh, in the medical world when it comes to the data and the research. And it's actually changed how we not only assess and, 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 and manage the, the head injuries, it also has been impacting how we return to play. You know, wasn't so long ago that we were told to sit in a dark space till we feel better and then slowly come back into the light. That is not the case anymore. And a lot of that is due to some of the new exciting research that is happening. Yeah, yeah, that's 2012, right? The international consensus guidelines and cognitive rest and physical rest and, and all these ideas that we were promoting. And then as the science kind of continues to evolve, we recognize that that just was not in the best interest uh, for mental health and physical health and concussion rehab. Uh, so now, uh, you know, through some, some studies that have been funded by the NFL, uh, active rehab is what we call it. It's, it's been a, a kind of a, a new development where we want to give targeted rehabilitation activities as players are recovering from concussion. And so, uh, you know, multi-site study that we did a few years ago, CFL was a big part of that. Uh, it was really great to see that the results are certainly uh, coming through and showing us that, yes, we, we want to limit activity and maybe take a few days off, but then we want to get into more uh, specific targeted activity, not just have people sit at home because uh, that's, that's just uh, overall, it's just not good for people. So we've, we've certainly learned a lot by really exploring these topics. We've learned that early intervention is not harmful. That was one of the biggest questions because we didn't know maybe running too much after initially after a, a concussion could be dangerous. Well, guided activity, and I want to emphasize guided. I don't want any young athlete to say it's okay to run, but guided activities after a concussion has certainly proved to be a, a good step forward. Yeah, and you said maybe a very important uh, statement there, you know, guided activity under the under the protocols and supervision of a medical expert is it's so important because this isn't like a, a other injuries. It's not like a sprained ligament or a broken bone where, you know, things are fairly standard and controlled and, and there's a, a protocol that works, you know, the head injuries, concussion and concussion um, uh, world has really proven itself to be a bit of a process and it can be so incredibly different from athlete to athlete. 
Yeah, the individual differences have 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 definitely been there, and anybody that's had a concussion will will know. Sometimes you, you recover really quickly, and in other cases, it it takes much longer. And we we have some understanding of why that could be, uh, but we've certainly certainly learned a lot, as you said, uh, Jeff, that it is a process that we want to embrace. And and embracing a process means doing some things probably that have not been done before, but to really learn about the the best outcomes, uh, because we do know that I think probably one of the biggest transitions is removing athletes from play with suspected concussion uh, has, has probably been one of the biggest steps, both at the minor and professional levels, uh, to make sure that you know the, the brain even has a short period of time when it can recover. Uh, so when athletes get back, that they don't suffer significant uh, you know further injuries, whether it's concussions or other injuries. Yeah. No, we're talking with Dr. Martin Morazic, clinical neuropsychologist from the University of Alberta. Uh, we're talking, of course, on the Crush Gridiron pre-NFL showdown here. Uh, the important topic and the discussion that needs to be continued around revolving around head injuries and concussion and return to play in sport. Dr. Morazic, this is this is a conversation that needs to continue. We can't uh, we can't ignore it or think that we're we're up on it because it, it's it's constantly evolving, as you mentioned. And I think one of the great things that we're seeing inside of the sport is maybe a little more willingness of the players to uh, to not not how should I say this not hide the symptoms or not hide the fact that they may have have suffered a, a brain injury even on the most harmless of plays. Yeah, and and you know again, it's that early commitment to to this whole process. Um, you know, when when I first started, there was a lot of players that were looking me, looking at me, you know, quite funnily, saying like, "What on earth are you having me do? Why do I have to do these pencil and paper tests?" And really, to to the point where, um, you know, people are used to baseline testing and they understand it. And I, I think to your point there, it's uh, that's an important one, Jeff, because concussion uh, really came to the forefront. I think Sidney Crosby in 2011, mm. uh, you know. Everybody was saying, "Oh, concussions! Wow, it could end, uh, you know, uh, a rising star's career." And sometimes it's easy to get a little bit complacent, but we we certainly don't want to do that because uh, concussions are a big deal, especially for some players. And so, kind of being committed to an overall process, uh, and like you say, just understanding standardized tools that are meant to really understand and have athletes endorse symptoms and think about symptoms and think about how they're doing. Uh, and then we offer, you know, the scats or the Im- impact testing that uh, allows us more objective testing. All those are have become staples. They've become foundations. And so, uh, you know, our research has certainly said that those things are really helpful, very important. We want to continue to reinforce them. And then, you know, as players kind of take hold of that and say, wow, yeah, these things, uh, you know, when I needed them uh, were actually very helpful for me. Uh, it's amazing to me how some players have been around for quite a while and then they suffer their first concussion and they their, their remarks are often, wow, I, I had no idea, right, that, uh, that you could feel this way. So it's just a, it's a good reminder that uh, the process that's begun is, is something that we want to just continue to reinforce. Yeah, and the education has really, really helped as well from the parents to the coaches and certainly to the players and the medical staff as well. There's been a really, really um, um, great response to the education and that's really expand, expanded the knowledge of just sort of the fundamentals of brain injury, even identifying them and, and being aware of the, the maybe potential long-term consequences, but also uh, in our ability to deal with them, as you said, in sort of a first response kind of a kind of a manner that that awareness is there now. And everybody, I think, is more open to really, really attacking it for what it truly is. 
For sure. And I, I think, you know, you, you, to your point, the whole messaging behind it, because uh, one thing we do know is, is that, you know, um, uh, you know, just trying to provide people with information, giving them a piece of paper with, well, you got to memorize this is not all that helpful, right? It really is uh, the NFO invested some, some money into studying the best way to transmit information, right? And so how do we, how do we, uh, you know, improve a culture that, that understands concussions, not just give somebody a piece of paper and say, well, if you feel this way, then, you know, call this number. Uh, it really is well beyond that. And I still go back to uh, Nick Lewis. Uh, he's a former CFL great. And, and his comment was, it's not just about concussion management. It's about brain health. So really what we're doing is not just, just looking at the bad stuff. We want to move ahead and, and look at the good stuff and what are the things that we're doing that also mitigate injury, um, but uh, uh, also provide some positive benefits for the athlete. Yep. Absolutely. No question about it. Dr. Morazic, if people, um, parents, coaches uh, out there they, they might not have the support of of an athletic trainer or a team doctor if they're suspecting that they might have uh, some type of brain injury or, or or experience some some form of a concussion you know we've talked about the symptoms at length and they're readily available online but being aware of those symptoms is critical but for people who might not be uh, sure of of how to handle it what are the best steps? We know getting with your family doctor is probably step number one for certain. Um, but I see a lot of people, you know, sort of, oh, well, let's take a couple of days to see how it progresses. And that's not necessarily the right approach here. Right. And and I think that, that part of the resistance was people said, well, if I say that I maybe I hit my head, that I'm automatically going to be pulled off and I have to sit out for a couple of weeks. And as an athlete, that's, that's just not what you want. Um, so we do recommend, I mean, the research and the science behind this is very unequivocal that when in doubt, the old catchphrase, when in doubt, sit them out. So removing players from play uh, with a suspected concussion, that's what you want to do. Uh, that there, There's a lot of research that says that, that, that that's a step that you definitely want to take. And then it is, uh, you know, the SCATs, it's available online, it's a free tool, a consultant but yeah, we've kind of adjusted the way we've managed these head injuries and it's not just an automatic you're out for a certain amount of time. It really is progressing athletes. But again, as we said earlier, it's a guided process. In some cases, people are coming back uh, quite quickly within a few days. Uh, but in other cases, especially with the younger athletes, we definitely want them to go through all those steps before they're cleared by a medical doctor to play. So early on, um, you know, is one of those things that we, we talk about guided activity. The SCAT has that information to say, well, what are the steps that I can take? Usually the first step is some degree of rest, maybe not complete rest as we used to say, uh, but some degree of rest and then a symptom limited activity. And what that means is that, you know, you, you go back, say you get on the bike and we keep your heart rate at a lower level. And if you can tolerate that, um, you know, then great, you can progress to the next step. Uh, but if you get symptom kickbacks, so say your headaches get a lot worse, or you just don't feel good, especially after an activity, then that's called symptom limited. So we we were not going to push the limit uh, as we, uh, you know, as athletes would like to do. So that whole focus on symptom limited progression as opposed to absence of, of activity and then step by step, uh, the symptom progression is, has been kind of the new way we think about it. I really, really like that, Dr. Morazic. Well, such an important conversation and one that we will continue to have here. Thanks to everything you and your team does, uh, you know, in terms of the research that, that's gone behind Everything that we now know, we know that you you and your team have been a big, big, big part of that. So I want to thank you for all your work for sure. Now, down to business, Dr. Morazic. We know that, well, I'm going to guess you're probably a huge Cowboys fan, right? So 
Um, I know you're rooting for the Cowboys down to the Super Bowl and beyond. <laughs> uh, no, that would be a negative. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You're a huge Vikings fan, right? And I'm not going to lie to you. I the am. Vikings are right there. They, they've done some really, really good things this offseason, right? Well, they sure have. I mean, uh, you look at their offensive line, and then you look at uh, bringing Patrick Peterson in in the defense, uh, making sure that uh, you know Kirk Cousins has uh, a good set of receivers to throw to. Uh, they missed Stephon Diggs last year, so I mean, the optimism is pretty high. Um, you know, can they go to the promised land? That's the big question. But I, I think as a team that seemed to really add some critical pieces, I would suggest that uh, they they did that. Yeah. So if you were to make a prediction, if we were putting it all in the line and uh, Connor and myself are going to make our Super Bowl predictions here, um, we're, we're not going to hold you to this. But if you're grossly wrong, you're going to hear about it time and time again. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll guarantee that for sure. But if you were going to make an NFL prediction today, would you uh, would you ride your Vikings right to the Super Bowl? Are they are they at, at that level right now? Oh, my heart says yes, but my head says no. Um, Honestly, I cannot go against Tampa Bay. They have so many of the same pieces in place. Uh, You look at somebody that just knows how to win. I think Tom Brady wants, you know, enough rings for both of his uh, hands. Um, I just just see them as as kind of the team to beat. Now, can, um, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I mean, they've also added some pieces. I think they're hungry. They want to prove themselves. That will be a very interesting story. But right now, my head says Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, that one is a tough one to bet against, especially when you see the press conferences right now with Tom Brady, just his attitude. And you know he is, without question, the leader of that team. Um, and, And he's talking about no guarantees. We've got to go out there, and we've got to earn it game by game. And my goodness, if that isn't the mindset set of a champion, I don't know what is. They're they're certainly the threat. I'll be making my Super Bowl um, uh, prediction here later in the show. Uh, so you're going with the Tampa Bay Bucks and Vikings as your dark horse. Vikings would be my dark horse. Yeah, I know. Okay, I'm a homer and I'm I'm uh, I'm picking with with my heart a little bit here. But also, like I said, I do think they've added a lot of pieces. If Dalvin Cook is on fire and Kirk Cousins can find his receivers uh, and the defense can hold them in there, then I I think they're in pretty good standing. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are on the decline. That's my opinion, but I think they are um, too much drama in the off season. So I think it'll be a good year for Minnesota. Hopefully, they can take that next step. But I think Tampa Bay is still the the uh, the best bet great stuff dr morazic well we'll be back we'll be in touch i can guarantee that <laughs> as the season rolls on hey thank you so much for this incredible conversation today very very timely as high school college and of course the nfl uh get underway and the cfl is well into their season so uh, thank you for the conversation today you bet anytime there you go. A very, very important conversation with Dr. Martin Mrazek. Such great work being done there, looking at player safety, but really helping us get to the next level of understanding when it comes to the process of identifying, managing, and returning to play from concussion and head injury. What a fantastic discussion for anybody involved in sport there. Uh, thanks to Dr. Mrazek. All right, we got to cut out for a quick break, but when we return, we're going to hook back up with the con man, to discuss the players and teams we're watching. We're going to tell you why, and we're boldly going to make our Super Bowl predictions for this upcoming season on the Crush NFL season preview right after this. Stick around. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. 
And welcome back to the Crush NFL season preview, everybody. If you want to reach out to us, please do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. All right, let's dive right into it. The players and teams that we're watching this year and, of course, our Super Bowl picks with our good friend Connor Halley, the con man. Con man, thanks for sticking around, man. This wouldn't be the same without you as we do our NFL preview. But when we break down and look at all of the storylines in the NFL, there are so many things to look at. But when we look at the teams, are there a couple teams that stand out or are of great interest to you for whatever reason? Are there are there a few things you're watching when it comes to the team, team aspect of the game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I could almost make a case for every team in the NFL. There's yeah, I agree. something on their rosters that yeah. you want to check out. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, obviously kicking off the season against the Dallas Cowboys. A team returning all 22 starters. That doesn't happen very often. And, you know, that's a team that won the Super Bowl. You go back to last year when Tom Brady joined the team. And, you know, we were pretty interested to see how it worked out. They had Ronald Jones at running back. Their receiving core was outstanding with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And all of a sudden, Scotty Miller really starts to show out. And then they start bringing in all these players. And Leonard Fournette comes in from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They get Antonio Brown, who's been disgruntled, but seemingly finds his way. And then all of a sudden, they've just got this powerhouse on offense. And the defense starts to bring it all together. You don't like to typically say that a team's going to go back-to-back, but if there was an organization that I think is in place to do it, this would be the one. Just They have all their players back. They've got great depth, and Bruce Arians as a head coach, the guy's a genius. So I think they're a real fun story to watch. It's always good to see how the defending champ comes back and responds. I look at the Tennessee Titans, who are a team in the AFC that might make that next step. Obviously, they go out and acquire Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons. To add to A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, and of course, you know, the beast in the backfield, Derrick Henry, they're going to be fun to watch. I want to see how Joe Burrow responds going back to the Cincinnati Bengals coming off the torn ACL that he had last year. Right. He was putting up great numbers before the injury. And, you know, can he bounce back? Are the Bengals going to regret not taking Panay well as their franchise left tackle and instead going for a receiver with the third overall pick? There's a lot of questions out there. And another team I'm, I'm really intrigued by is the Washington football team. Uh, the defense they've built there, they've invested first-round picks on that defensive line. I mean, they're going to cause a lot of troubles. And that, that whole NFC East right now with the Giants, Cowboys, Washington, and Philadelphia, I mean, I, we called it the, the NFC East last year. Is that going to hold true <laughs> again? Or can Washington kind of run away with it this year because they've got the potential. Dak Prescott coming back from that gruesome leg injury. Like I said, Crush, I could probably do one for every team. There's always a storyline I want to watch, but those come to mind off the top of my head. Yeah, no, and those are great. And you're right, Connor. There are so, this season for me, I don't know if it's post-COVID excitement or what it might be, but this season is shaping up to be just exceptional for me. And I've been a pretty, you know, I guess avid NFL fan, football fan, CFL, NFL, you name it. I I really do love it. Uh, But this year's shaping up. Hey, I wanted to ask you about a couple teams. Let let me ask you about Jacksonville and all the um, um, uh, maybe distraction re- uh, revolving around the Urban Meyer uh, hire. There's been some, uh, you know, mixed feelings about that hire and where these guys might wind up. That That's another really good one. Very intriguing because obviously you, you get Trevor Lawrence. This guy, I think we had him penciled in as the number one quarterback for the last three years in the draft. Whenever he decided to declare. He's been kind of listed as that generational talent, uh, an Andrew Luck type, can make all the throws. He goes to a young Jacksonville team that's kind of rebuilt. But like you say, Urban Meyer, he's been one of the best college coaches of all time, maybe yeah. the best college coach of all time. 
a few others obviously in that conversation but I'm very intrigued by it. We've seen it in the past. Nick Saban went to the Miami Dolphins coming out of the NCAA as the, the top recruited coach and didn't work out so well for him. He he was out very quick. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons had a coach a couple of years ago who was awful. Uh, but then you get the Pete Carrolls, who in his second stint in the NFL looks like one of the best coaches. He's won a Super Bowl. The Seattle Seahawks are always hanging around. And that, that could almost be a whole other show, I think, Crash, going from the college ranks to the professional ranks. And how much does it vary? We've already heard some stories that, you know, maybe some of his antics aren't working as well with players in the professional rank. Um, it's tougher to kind of be that rah-rah coach with the professionals, the guys that have been doing this for a long time, and it's their career. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts. I know you've been around professional teams. You've been around sports at the amateur level. Do you think he can make that transition? Yeah, it is such a big jump. Yeah, no, you're right. This is one team I'm going to be watching closely. And here's what I've been thinking, Connor. See what you think about this. You know, Urban Meyer coming out of college, you have maybe one of the greatest talents to ever make that transition from college to to pro ball. We'll see how it goes. But I mean, everything is shaping up to be pretty exceptional there in Jacksonville. Could Urban Meyer's uh, recent college, you know, you know, experience maybe help that transition a little smoother. You know, maybe these guys are transitioned together and create some magic. I am not sure, but I will tell you this, um, not knowing Urban Meyer uh, very well, not personally anyway, but kind of understanding how he operates and motivated his players in the NCAA. If he plays his cards right and, and, and does it right, boy, oh boy, these guys could be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. I'm not so sure about this first year, but, but boy, oh boy, if, if it helps with the transition of that young quarterback and, you know, he stays healthy. I think we're going to see some incredible stuff coming from that team. Yeah. And the one thing I do always kind of think about, like this guy was one of the greatest college coaches of all time. You get some players potentially that become free agents after their fourth year and maybe not the star players, but um, you know, good depth guys, uh, good positional players that, that don't get re-signed by their team. You know, he he's probably talked with a bunch of them. He's probably held in very high regard from a lot of these guys who, coming out of their rookie deals will only be 25, 26. Is he able to use some of that recruiting power that he had uh, at the collegiate level to go out there and talk to these guys and, and build up that program like he did? I think some people would say, yeah, I mean, if you're optimistic, he, he's probably very highly respected amongst these guys coming out of the NCAA right now. So that, that's another thing to watch out for in the next couple of years. Is he out there talking? Is he out there working the free agency uh, class and trying to bring guys in? Because he already did a pretty good job. Uh, they rebuilt their secondary uh, they brought in Griffin from the Seattle Seahawks, Rayshon Jenkins from the Chargers. Uh, you know, tough, tough injury to Travis Etienne, the, the running back they selected out of Clemson. But they've got some pieces around Trevor Lawrence as well. Maybe not that star, maybe not a top three receiver in the league right now. But, you know, you can always go out there and draft those guys next year and build around Trevor Lawrence. They're going to be a real fun team to watch in the next few years. And in that division right now, I mean, you look at the Indianapolis Colts, they're a team, I think, that, that's on the, the, the uprise right now. The, the defense is getting better. Carson Wentz, he's the big X factor there. You've got the Tennessee Titans, who I think run away with the division this year. And then, you know, the Houston Texans, who you can almost just guarantee uh, a win when you play them. So, yeah, that, that AFC South is going to be a fun division to watch. Yeah, yeah, man. I wish this was, I wish this was a four-hour show because we've got so much to cover here. Before we get to our Super Bowl picks, though, I wanted to just run a couple very, very quickly now. A couple uh, players, and I have a couple other teams to ask you about. But I did want to ask you about the future of Cam Newton. This is kind of a surprise and kind of a quick change, and, and that team's going to be fun to watch. But what's going to happen with Cam Newton now? 
I, I think he's honestly just going to sit back and wait. I don't think he's got any rush to go out there and, and join a team. You know, wait, see what happens if there's a team that loses their starter to to injury or something like that or just needs to bring in a, a veteran backup. Maybe that's when you go do it. But if I'm him, I'm sitting on my hands and saying, I don't need the money. I'm going to stay healthy. I'm going to watch. And when the right opportunity presents itself, then I'm going to go sign there. But if I'm Cam Newton, I think I just sit back and wait for now. Yep. Interesting. Good call. Good call. And I wanted to finally, last player I want to get to, there's so many, but the other guy I really wanted to ask you about uh, was Green Bay and the Aaron Rodgers uh, story here. You know, seeing some of his preseason interviews, this guy is locked in, man. And if they hear, you know, if there was a leader in the game, you'd have to put Aaron Rodgers and Brady right at the top. He's talking expectations. He's talking focus. He's talking focusing on accountability for this team and going out and getting the job done. Uh, how do you think Aaron's going to do this year? Oh, I, I think he's going to be Aaron Rodgers, right? Coming off the MVP, I, I actually have he and Devontae Adams in one of my fantasy leagues. So I'm hoping they go out there and maybe break a, a touchdown passing record in this yeah. season. But I, I expect him to go out there and be exactly what he has been. Obviously, I think he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. The relationship there hasn't always been maybe the same as it has been with other quarterbacks with their owners and the, the management side, where from what he's said in interviews, he doesn't always get uh, brought up in the personnel conversations. And, and that's what he wanted. He wanted to be around them and, and try to weigh in and, and share some insight, guys who might be good fits and guys they might want to keep around with the organization. But, you know, I, I think that he's going to go out there. He's going to be the same old Aaron Rodgers. He'll probably be an MVP conversation. The Packers probably, you know, finish in the top two or three seats, get make their way into the playoffs and, and take another run at this thing. Going forward, though, that's when it really starts to become interesting. Will yeah. he look to, to join another organization? The Green Bay Packers have a decision to make with Jordan Love, the quarterback they selected in the first round last year. So they're they're definitely going to be fun to watch. And if things go south quickly, I mean, that could become a, a big distraction, a big tire fire in Green Bay. Ooh, tire fire. That's a good way to put it. Okay, running out of time here. I want to get your uh, Super Bowl pick. I'm going to put you on, on the spot here. But a couple teams I'm watching th this year. I'm watching the Browns. Boy, oh boy, what, a, what an organizational turnaround this has been. This one rivals for me our focus on the Kansas City Royals in the early, you know, 2010, 2012, as they made their way to the World Series uh, to watch that organization. I think it also rivals sort of watching the Houston Astros with new ownership in 2011 and, and how they've really restructured and built that championship organization. Um, you know, I'm, I'm watching these guys with, with great interest and I hope they have a great year. The other team I'm going to be watching the Patriots post Brady. Can they climb back out of, out of the shadow of Tom Brady? This one's fascinating to me. And is Belichick really, really as, as incredible uh, as everybody thinks he is without Brady. I mean, that, I'm watching that one closely. But one team I wanted to ask you about, because I like them. I like them a lot. And now what they're going through, uh, it, it it brings back some some terrible memories, but also some really, really good memories uh, with the New Orleans Saints and, of course, the Hurricane and them being displaced once again. Um, their performance after Katrina was huge for that city and that population. It just brought a ray of light on such a dark time. And are we seeing that again? You know what? Uh, I feel like I'm going to be kind of negative here, but I don't think so. I They, they had Drew Brees back then, uh, and, and he was coming off shoulder injuries, and he and Sean Payton just found something so special. And and I, that season was amazing. I remember when they opened up the Superdome, and Gleason blocked the punt on Monday Night Football against the Falcons. It was outstanding. But I, I don't know. I, 
count me as a skeptic of Jameis Winston right now. Yeah. I, and I know that he can move the ball downfield. He can put up big numbers. But it seems like when the big plays have to be made, bad Jameis shows up. And I, I know he got the LASIK surgery, so you hope that that corrects it. I would love to see it. I would love to see the New Orleans Saints and, and you know, Kamara, Michael Thomas, and the guys there on defense. I would love to see them take a run and, and maybe dethrone, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I, I think it might be a tough year for the, the New Orleans Saints, uh, the adjustment period of kind of finding their new quarterback. And if things don't go well, you know, is there any hesitation to go to Taysom uh, Hill? Uh, and the, the quarterback controversy was there. That was the battle in camp. I think Jameis is the better quarterback. But, you know, if, if things go wrong, I think he got a little bit of an issue in that quarterback room. And we've seen it in the past. That can divide a locker room. So, I, I like this story. I, I hope it works so well. And obviously praying for all the people down in New Orleans, Louisiana, all the areas affected by the hurricane. But uh, I don't know if this is going to be the same old story as last time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'm with you there, but I'm going to be watching with great interest. And I do have my fingers crossed for that organization and for all the people down there for sure. All right, let's get to it. We, I know you got to go and uh, we're running out of time here and I want to get to this, the con man, Super Bowl picks. Who are your top teams and who do you think is going to take it all this year? Oh, you know what? I, I think it's so tough to go back to back in the NFL and any major sports league. It's really tough to repeat as champions. But you know what? I think from the NFC, it will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers once again. They really hit their stride down the stretch. And assuming they can stay healthy, I just don't know how you beat that team. I mean, on paper, they're so good and they know what it takes to win now. So I think they'll come in with a swagger. Tom Brady's talked about it a lot, how he wants to go undefeated. I like the Bucks coming out of the NFC and from the AFC it's going to be tough, but I like the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the Kansas City oh, Chiefs are another option. Yes! <laughs> that could be the AFC championship game. But, you know, you look at the Browns, and if Baker Mayfield can know who he is and and not try to force the ball, you don't have to get it to, to Odell Beckham. You don't have to force it to Hooper or Jarvis Landry. Use your running game. You've got Nick Chubb who can wear down defenses. I don't like Kareem Hunt as a person. But he's a good football player. When he's out there, he can make plays. If they go through the ground game, control the clock, and let their defense play good football, and Baker just has to manage the game, make the throws that he can, I like the Cleveland Browns this year. And especially if they have a good regular season and can get home field, it would be huge. Tough division with the Steelers, Ravens, and the Bengals on the upswing, but I like the Cleveland Browns. I think they're ready to do it. I love it, Connor. And you know, the Cleveland Browns have been a crush NFL, number one NFL team to watch <laughs> for the last five years. And for a period there where they made that coaching change and they, they made all those changes mid-stride, they were our number one team to watch in all of sports. So I'm with you there. But hey, listen, just really quickly... I've got the Bills going all the way. I have the Bills walking away with the championship this year. Tell me if I'm crazy or not, but I battled the Bucks. The Browns are right here. I looked at the Chiefs as well, but but boy, oh boy, the Bills just got something. I don't know what it is. I'm not a big Bills fan, but but I think they've got something special brewing this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that defense is solid. They fly around. Josh Allen, he's only gotten better, right? You know, throughout his, his few years in the NFL, he's continued to improve. What he and Stephon Diggs did last year, I think they're only going to build off of. That's a really good pick as well. I, I might have been sleeping on the Bills just a little bit. And that's another one. If they get home field and you have to go through uh, Orchard Park or the Ralph Wilson Stadium, whatever that is, that could be a tough one too. I like that. I The thing I just like about the Cleveland Browns is when the wind, weather gets cold and they need to control the clock, I think they have that run game to do so. Now, all this being said, as much as we pump their tires, they could go out and uh, win four games. It, it, it would be a very <laughs> Cleveland Brown thing to do. Listen, man. Hey, I'm, I I have the Bills. You've got the Browns. 
I'm rooting for you, man. I'm I honestly am con man. So, so awesome. Hey, so great to have you on. Thanks for, thanks for, for participating here, man. It just wouldn't be the same without you as we uh, break down the NFL season, Connor. And Hey, we'll revisit this maybe partway through the season and see where we're at with some of our conversation here today. Oh, sounds great. Crush anytime. Thanks a lot for having me on today. You bet. Good to have you. All right, there's the con man. Boy, I'm telling you right now, we could fill a two, three-hour show just with our NFL preview, crush style, of course. We have to thank Dr. Martin Mrazek uh, for coming on and enlightening us as to some of the changes and new advances when it comes to head injuries and concussion in sport. It is an incredibly important conversation and one that we're going to continue to cover as new research comes out. So I have to thank Dr. Mrazek for that. I want to thank... The con man for his insights. He really does follow the NFL. He's one of our go-to guys around the station for sure. And when it comes to all things NFL, but some really, really good points made there when it comes to the storylines, players and teams to watch. Again, we could talk for three or four hours, but um, boy, oh boy, I like the Browns. I really like the Browns as a Super Bowl pick. I'm not quite that bold going with the Bills. But boy, boy, do I love it. Of course, the Browns being one of our top teams to watch over the last five, six years in the NFL for sure. All right, everybody, that'll wrap it up. Let's go. Hey, it's football season, not just in the NFL, in high school, college, and even for the little duffers out there in minor football. I hope everyone, top to bottom, has a fantastic season, all right? Okay, that'll do it for this week, everybody. I hope you get out there and have a great week. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Hey, it's Rock Riley, and I am so jacked up. I got a new podcast. Once a week, it's The Rock Stops Here. I'm going to be talking with athletes and entertainers, current and former, on making it to the promised land, to the top. And what happens when it's all over? And you don't know what to do. And you got family problems, and money creeps in, and the health, and all that jazz. Real talk. No more corporate BS. I can call it like it is. The Rock Stops Here. With me, Rock Riley, can be found anywhere you find your podcasts and radioinfluence.com.